by Entral East Street site. Hello. Rycast this week is all about Rye Museum and its chairman, Joe Kirkham. She probably knows more about Rye's history than anybody else. Actually, there's no probably about it. And I'll be finding out more about the history and also talking to her about half a century as a town councillor, being mayor three times and 27 years on the bench as a JP. Rye Museum is in two parts, the castle just up the road and where I am today, the building on East Street behind the big black doors. It's surprisingly quiet given we're right in the middle of the town. There's also news of a new project celebrating the best of what's inside here, but first let's find out more about the museum. So we've come up the ramp inside the museum. Joe, what did this used to be? Well, it was first built as an abattoir and then it became a mineral water works, making mineral water to sell. And then it became a wine store. Then it was redundant and that's when we bought it in 1996. We're in the museum on East Street. It's connected to the castle. Actually, before we talk about the castle, wipers or Ypres? Ypres. No. Wipers, yes. (laughs) And long before the First World War, it's been wipers for, well, since the 14th century. Really? Well, a lot of it was when John de Wipers lived here. Oh. And it's only been Wipers Tower fairly recently, really, Victorian times. It was Buddings Tower. It's been all sorts of other names. And, of course, it was built at Rye Castle. So no connection at all to the town in Belgium? No, none at all. Other than the original wipers came from the Low Countries, but where exactly, I'm not sure. It's a significant part of the town. It's the one that all the, the tourists come and see and yes. enjoy the view out over the town. What does it mean to you? It's an amazing place. And we've now found that there was a castle in 1216, which is much earlier than we had thought. Whether it was that one or whether it was a wooden one, we don't know. But it's certainly called the castle because the Abbot of Fécamp invited Prince Louis of France in to take all the stores out of the castle. Goodness me. It's a very prominent place and it's on three floors and now it appears you go in on the middle floor. But originally there was a big dip in front of it, which you would have gone over probably a drawbridge of some sort. If you look down towards the gun garden, you'll see how deep it is there. Well, take that all the way around and that's what it was. And they filled it in. We've got it watertight now, it's in pristine condition. And we're really proud of what we've got with it. It's been in the museum since 1954. And they had an exhibition there in 53, and they thought, it's a good idea, let's reinstate the museum because it closed for the war. Touch wood, we hope we'll keep it going. So we now keep both sites going, but it is, for a small voluntary organisation, it is a huge task because not only have you got the artefacts and the maintenance of that, you've got the buildings, there's health and safety, there's employment law, insurances... Every time you go on the roof, I mean, even though they've been going on the roof since 1200, we now have to have harnesses, which has cost us a lot of money, and they have to be tested every year. Health and safety has taken over and and a life of its own, really. But I understand you've got to have it. But when you think they've walked up those stairs, and God, it's 1200. As far as we know, nobody's ever fallen off. We'll get on to your favourite piece in a moment or two. But do you want to tell us about some of the other things that are inside the museum? Oh, yes. It's really has become sort of the local history. We, we deal with an area within 10 miles of rye, but we've got lovely paintings. We've got three lots of rye pottery. If I say we've got the medieval pottery, 
we've got rye potters of the 20th century, and then we've got a huge selection of rye pottery, which are all different things. We've got the building of the houses on Udemore Road. We've got plans for those in the 20s and 30s. So I can look at the plans for my house? Well, they've got some plans. You could probably go and have a look at that. I'll have to have a look which one we've got out, but we've got the plans for them. We've got toys. We've got Captain Pugwash. We've got shipbuilding. We have all sorts of things to do that we actually find. For example, somebody last year gave us the boots and various items that he'd had on the long walk from Poland in 1945 in the longest, coldest winter there was of the last century. So we've got those on display 950 miles from January to the end of April. And since then, I found seven more Rye people who were on similar walks of exactly the same thing, being prisoners since Dunkirk, and then had walked home from different camps. So that's one. We've also got a display on the Monument Men, because Rye has its own Monument Man of Leslie Davy, who was sent to try and investigate what the Germans had stolen from Greece at the end of the war. He came to Rye and was a famous artist here. We've got a clock on the wall which was given to the winner of the Rye Marathon in 1909 with a picture of the gentleman with it. The Rye Marathon? Oh, well, that was held for several years in the late Victorian and up until the First World War. And I think it didn't really get going after the First World War because so many boys had gone. Uh, after a huge number, of course, were lost in the First World War from Rye. And we've also got on the wall the Rye engagement, which dates back to 1649 to 50, when Oliver Cromwell and Parliament sent to every town in Rye and you had to sign that you supported them. And of course, as you can imagine, in 1660, when Charles II came back, everybody ripped them up as soon as they could. But we didn't. And our, our copy of ours is on the wall. The original is in the record office. But I've been through every name and, and told you all we know about them. So there's notes on that. Really interesting stuff. It's fascinating. You love this stuff, don't you? I absolutely adore it. Yes, there's something I find out every day. <laughs> Even to Van Dyke. Finally, I bought, treated myself to a remainder book of Van Dyke the other week. I'm just flicking through these beautiful paintings. I looked at this picture of this banker in Germany. And I said, that's our castle. Looked at it and it was. And, of course, Van Dyck had stayed here in 1633, either waiting for a ship to go or to come. I can't remember which one. And he did some lovely drawings of Rye. And this was one of the paintings. And it's actually in the Hermitage, alongside this German banker. I was so thrilled. It's amazing. So that's the sort of thing that makes my day. Well, Rye News is going to feature some of the things which are in the museum as chosen by some of the people who work here and volunteer here. It's only right, really, that, Joe, you should get the first choice. What's your favourite piece in the museum? Well, I think at the moment my favourite piece is the silver penny. And I have always known that Rye had mint. Not in the mint, but it's a Victorian naming of part of the High Street or Longer Street as it was. But certainly we knew there was a mint and we knew there had been certain coins, only one or two that were minted in Rye. And then, I suppose it's about 18 months ago, we got a phone call from the Portable Antiquities Scheme to say that a metal detectorist in North Kent had found a rye silver penny. And I said, oh, how wonderful. And it's been authenticated by the British Museum. And it's a very early one, minted in rye by a man called Ranulf. And so very, very early, hardly any of them left. 
And Neil Baker found it. To, I said, could you tell him? We'd love to, I would love to have it in the museum. <laughs> and he agreed to sell it to us wow. rather than go to auction where he could have got, I'm sure, more. But certainly it's on display and there's a picture of him in the case and we've got it in our British Museum coin cabinet. It's tiny, but the, the work is so elaborate, isn't yes. it? Yes. On one side, you've got King Stephen holding a scepter with a crown and the other side is the cross, which we've got showing upwards, the cross on this side. And there's the, the bigger one is the King Stephen with his crown on it. And the other coins are the story of rye and the rye penny and so on. What was it like holding the penny for the first time? Oh, it was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It's so small and very thin. But when you think it was actually minted in right, just astonishing. So the mint wasn't on the mint. Do we know where it was? We've no idea. No, because, of course, it was burnt in 1377. Uh, as a, Almost everything was burnt apart from the stone buildings. So we really have no idea. But other than we know of three moneyers or people who made coins in rye. So that's wonderful, and it was obviously a productive mint for a borough of rye at that time. It is beautiful. Mm. I mentioned Rye News is going to be featuring some of the things in the museum as chosen by some of the volunteers. It's the brainchild of Juliet Duff, who's one of the directors, and he's going to be writing the piece for Rye News. You've chosen this picture. Why? Well, this is a view of Rye, which was by Henry Dankertz. It was attributed to him in the 17th century. It's since been looked at by local historians who actually think it's a bit later than that because of the buildings you can see in it. It's a view of Rye from um, Rye Hill looking down across the town. In the distance, you can see ships, you can see where Winchelsea beaches and Pet Level would be. You can see Camber Castle in the distance. You can see the water coming up to the Fish Market Road and obviously was going behind towards the Strand. The reason I chose this is, amazingly, in the early 1970s, my father bought it. We had it in our family home for around 25 years. And at some point, my mother got quite ill with dementia. And we had to sort the house out and she had to go into a local care home. And we very, very reluctantly, because we loved the paintings, we had connections with Rye, had to sell it in order to pay for her care. So in 1995, it went to an auction house in London. We were so upset that we didn't find out who'd bought it. Until about 10, 12 years ago, I suddenly thought, well, I'm really interested to know where it is. So I did a quick online search and the amazing thing of the internet and found very, very quickly a picture of it attributed to Rye Castle Museum. I was so, so pleased and so amazed that actually it had come home to where it belonged. And then very recently I moved to Rye and realised that I could come and see it whenever I wanted to. So it means a lot to our families. It's beautiful. What do you think when you saw it again? I just felt very moved. I mean, actually, funnily enough, I thought, oh, it's smaller than I remember. <laughs> you actually want to look at it really closely and look at what you can recognise and see what buildings were around then and how you could date it as well is really interesting. No, I, I was very moved because obviously it's a lovely picture, lovely painting, and it's, it's come to where it should be. You wouldn't prefer it above your fireplace? <laughs> uh, part of me would, but I think this is the right place for it. Yes, very much so. I mentioned the, the Rye News series of articles. What's the plan? 
I'm contacting volunteers and other people uh, to do with the museum to see if they've got any suggestions of things that they really like and that they would like to have as a representation of what the museum has and part of the history of the town, really, and perhaps their response to it as well. And we will do a piece of probably every four weeks or so on the item and use that as a bit of the history of Rye. And also, I think it'd be really lovely for people to know what's in the museum if they haven't been. Joe, what does that picture tell you about Rye? I think it shows the sea being right up to the, you know, Cabra Cliff and up to Winchelsea Hill and up to Rye Hill. And you can see the causeway beautifully, which of course was built on from the Middle Ages, gradually putting a few stones on it until it, you know, sort of led to a dry route up Rye Hill. But of course, it wasn't always dry. It was 1833 that they embanked the rover. And even in the 1870s, it flooded over and the whole of Landgate was flooded. So, you know, it's still very, very low, that particular part of Rye. But it just shows you all Rye on its island with hardly anything outside the town. We've come upstairs to the kind of loft area, which looks out over East Street. Street. What would it would have been? It would have been houses. And then in the mid-19th century, somebody bought the land at the back in which to build a factory or the slaughterhouse for the butcher shops, because there was one next door and there was one on the high street, both of which backed on to here. And in order to get access, they cut out the bottom of the two houses and just left the roof in situ with just the, the, the stresses. That was like that until we got the property in 1996, when half of that roof was made into the office. And that lasted until two years ago, when we decided that we would extend to the whole of the roof and we've made that into a study room stroke library. Surrounded by files and books and all sorts of documents. Is that your happy place? Oh, wonderful. Yes, I absolutely love it. We do intend to sort it out, but of course the trouble is we get one sorted out and three more arrive. But it's amazing. You never stop learning? Never. Never. You obviously played a huge part in the town, made a big difference to the people who live here. Why do you do it? You don't have to do this, do you? You could have stayed at home and read some books and just done the history. Why have you done it? Is there some sort of civic pride that you have? Well, I have civic pride, but I don't know. I'm just interested in it. And of course, I was a JP for 27 years, based out in Rye Court originally. And then it kept getting amalgamated, amalgamated, amalgamated. And of course, I'd lost service. It was Sussex almost as a whole by the end it finished. But to be in Rye Court was very special at the beginning. I can imagine. And it kind of tells a story of, of Rye as being a, a hugely significant place. We are a senior sink port because it's the five ports of the two ancient towns and we're one of the ancient towns. And of course, that was what upset me when we closed. We'd had justice served in town on that site for a thousand years. And to save a little bit of rent money, they closed it. On Rye, we only had 12 on the bench, which was really, really interesting, was we had a, a lady who was the chairman. At the other end, we had a card-carrying communist. So it was an amazing amalgam of people, which was wonderful, because that's what you need. It was amazing to sit there, you know, in, on the bench, 
and you've got on one step, you've got the prisoner on the other step, you've got the police, because the police, were, of course, were still prosecuting in those days. And it was amazing. Is there anything you'd change about Rye? No, it's quirky. People are lovely and quirky too, but it is very special, very special. I'm a bit sad that not more people actually are able to live in the town, that the houses are going for holiday lets and things like that. It must have been lovely to live in here before you had holiday lets when everybody was buzzing and all the children rushing around the streets. Mind you, there wouldn't have been cars there then, so it would have been safe for them. So swings and roundabouts. It's one of the things that I think is a huge issue here. There doesn't seem an easy way of sorting it, improving the social housing in the town. 74, half the housing were council houses. And of course, you've got still some social housing, but nowhere near as much as been sold off. And we are just not big enough. We haven't got the land to do what large places could do, have whole fields. We don't have whole fields to do that sort of thing. Right Town Council have bought one house. We have one house that we have bought. But again, for, for somebody like a parish council whose precept is tiny, we can't do more. We're doing what we can. Rye, as you say, is, is quirky and eccentric. It's almost three tribes of people, people who say it must never change, people who say it really should change but would rather it didn't, and then people say, the other third lot, who say actually it needs to change to be more 21st, 22nd century. Do you think it ever will? I hope not, because I think the people who live here, if they come to live here, they accept what they've come to. That's why they've come in some respects, and then sometimes people come because it's like it is and they want to change it which doesn't seem quite fair to the people who were already here. And the characters you must have met over the years, you talk about being quirky and eccentric. I've met so many eccentric people since living here, and that's one of the reasons I love it too. Do you want to tell us about some of the the sort of interesting people that stick in your memory? Dr Alec Fiddler, who was born in the old stone house on Church Square, he had a very eminent career in academia, and I think was Dean of King's College, Cambridge. And then when he retired, he came back to Rye and he came and he was the last borough mayor. And he was really eccentric. One of, I think, a Church of England sort of order, brotherhood of some sort. He wore a black shirt and a white tie. But he was very charming. He had a, an open house tea on Wednesday, as you could call in. And he was extremely generous to me. I, I must say I had my youngest child when I missed the last borough council meeting because I was having my child and he actually came and saw me which I thought was way beyond the call of duty but he used to walk along and he had a little dog called Zadok which he used to kick regularly but a real character and very very clever man so there's him and then there was John Ryan and I could go through all sorts of people that all had their own eccentricities. Do you think it's more eccentric than other places? No, I think because it's small, you see them and you meet them. Other places are so much bigger. I mean, we're only four and a half thousand, obviously. So I think the chances are that you'll come across them. You live on Cadbury Cliff. You've lived there for decades. How come you ended up in Rye? Uh, my husband got the job to build the wharf at Rye Harbour for John Alsford. He was the first wharf manager down there. And when he'd got the job, he came home and he said, I think you like Rye. It's a bit historic. And the very strange thing is my daughter started to do the family tree and found that I, although I come from Cheshire, that my ancestors actually come from this area. So perhaps I've come home. A huge thanks to Jay Kirkham. 
really good to talk to you. You can find out more about the museum on our website. It's rycast.org. Juliet, your series on the amazing things in the museum. What's it called again? History of Rye in Museum Objects is the working title, but I think it needs to be a little snappier than that. Thank you. More in Rye News. Remember, Rycast is on social media at Rycast Sussex, and it's rycastsussex at gmail.com on the email if you want to get in touch. Please do. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.